Grace and peace to you from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm Nader Mansour and I pray this message will draw you closer to Jesus. I wanted to share with you some thoughts that are uh, foundational, that are basic, but at the same time are imperative for any hope of a revival to happen. So the subject matter we want to discuss today, or the title, I was to give it a title, is uh, a question. Is your soul breathing properly? And we're going to be talking about prayer. Your body is breathing, everybody's here, and every few minutes, maybe less than a few minutes, you, you take a breath. But, uh, and it's good to do that, it helps you stay awake and alive. Uh, but we want to look at, on the spiritual level, is your soul, not your body, is your soul breathing properly? Or is it suffocating? Uh, or is it dead and needs a revival? Some spiritual CPR. That's what I want to explore. You know, if you, uh, if you look at uh, those who run a race, you find that uh, usually the, one of the tactics for running a race, like in the Olympics, for example, there are races or something. Uh, one of the tactics is the runners need to uh, preserve their final burst of energy for the period just before the finish line. Isn't that right? Uh, some kind of a tactic or something just to, you know, to put that extra burst, an extra boost of energy uh, to get to that finish line first. And there's a spiritual lesson there. Now, as, as, they're, as they're doing that, of course, uh, their, their exertion increases and their breathing would increase, their heart rate, and so on and so forth. How is it with us spiritually as we're nearing the finish line when it comes to breathing? You know, prayer is really what we're talking about when it comes to, is your soul breathing properly? How is it with you and how is it with me? Are we taking deeper breaths to sustain us or what is the situation? Let's go to Luke chapter 21. We'll read verse 34 or from verse 34. And see what the Savior here says, Luke 21, verse 34. And uh, we're going to have the verses on the screen. Nifrit's going to be helping with that. So uh, that's, I'm thankful for that. Jesus says, And take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with search-fitting and drunkenness and cares of this life. And so that day come upon you unawares. For as a snare shall it come on all them that dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch ye therefore... And pray always that ye may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Here is a vital preparation. You want to be ready for the coming of Christ? Here's what he says we are to do. Watch and pray. How often? Always. Does that describe accurately your prayer life today? Can you be uh, and you don't need to answer these questions, okay? I just want you to think. I don't want anyone to be tempted to put their hand up uh, for, for any of these questions. Uh, how is it with you? How is it with me? You know, uh, prayer is something that the Savior instructs us to do, not every now and then. It's not an optional Christian uh, practice. It is something that is required to be ready for when he comes the second time. He said, that's what he says. That's how we can be accounted worthy to escape all these things that will happen. How is our prayer life? In Peter, we're told the same thing. First Peter chapter 4, 
and verse 7. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 7. And here the apostle says, But the end of all things is at hand. Be therefore sober and watch unto prayer. You believe that the end of all things is at hand? Yes. We all believe that. Well, that's, that's one question we can all answer, I guess. Uh, we, we see that. We see the evidence all around us. In light of that, how this should affect us in our experience, in our walk with the Lord, he says, we are to be sober and watch unto prayer. What does watch unto prayer mean? It simply means that our actions, our behavior, our thoughts should be in harmony with our prayers. Prayer is not just something that we engage in and then what we do at other times is unrelated. We are to watch unto prayer and be sober. You know, we talk a lot about unanswered prayers. You ever wondered about unanswered prayers and we talk about them and we wonder and we requested and we prayed and, and you know, the answer did not come as we anticipated or required. But I don't think we talk enough about unoffered prayers. Unoffered prayers. Prayers that don't even get prayed or offered. You know, prayer is a whole science. We could spend a long time. And today I don't want to get into the details of it. I just want to remind us of this vital component that without it, it is actually impossible to have a revival. You realize that? Without prayer, it is impossible to have a revival. Revival is not about learning some doctrines or understanding some truth. These are all good components that should help uh, enhance our relationship with Christ. But without prayer, it is impossible to have a revival. And uh, history, the history of revivals uh, attests to that, as uh, we'll see a little bit. But being sober, watching unto prayer is really living our life in a way that is in harmony with the recognition that the end of all things is at hand, that we are watching unto prayer, that we are praying always, praying without ceasing. That's what the theme is all about about a revival. Now, if we go to 2 Chronicles 7, we have here, God tells us some conditions for that. 2 Chronicles 7, verse 14, is what we're looking at. A very familiar passage, but I want to read it in light of what we are discussing, talking about revival. Here the word of the Lord says, If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sins, sin and will heal their land. Now mine eyes shall be open and mine ears attend unto the prayer that is made in this place. God promised a blessing in response to prayer. Seeking his face. A blessing that would not come if that prayer is not offered. Isn't that right? And the, the, the picture God is giving here is one of eager expectation and anticipation. He says, you know, my eyes are open. I'm going to be watching. I'm going to be listening very carefully to any prayer that might come my way. God is eager to hear from us. That's the picture he's, he's giving, right? Does he really hear from us? As he expects. Does, let me make that a bit more personal. Does he hear from you and me as he expects? Or is it kind of a silent, more silence than communication? 
You see, uh, prayer is what really lifts us, brothers and sisters, into God's presence. And this, this is the question I, I, I want to keep asking as we go along. Is, is your soul really breathing properly? Are you really communing with God as you should in light of the fact that the end of all things is at hand? Recognizing that this is a needed thing to enable us to be ready for the coming of Christ. Prayer has been said to be a, an opening of the heart to God as to a friend. If you have a good friend, maybe your best friend or a really close friend, uh, you find that you spend a lot of time talking to that friend. Well, if he's a close friend, that's, that's usually the case. You don't go long periods without communicating, right? And you enjoy the season of communicating. This is how it is to be with God as well. You know, at this time of Earth's history, we need prayers and prayers that will move heaven. This is what we're told. That will really move heaven. That will bring about an answer that would not have come had that prayer not offered. You see, God has made it a condition that there are certain blessings, there are certain things that would not happen unless we pray. That's why it says, ask and you shall receive. And the implication there is very clear that if you do not ask, you will not receive. Are we really doing that or not? You know, if we want to receive a revival, that's a blessing that comes from God, we need to ask for it. And we need to ask for it with, uh, you know, our asking needs to be uh, with perseverance. It's not, okay, well, we prayed for revival on Friday, right? So then we're waiting. You know, it's not ask once. If you, if you need something, your, your earnestness and your perseverance is an indication of how much you really recognize your need and how much you really want it. And the Bible uh, tells us very clearly that we are to also pray with earnestness. Or without ceasing, we're also told. We are to pray always without ceasing. Persistence in prayer is not an option. It is part of biblical prayer. Sometimes we pray and ask for something so casually. And, uh, and then we wonder, well, it didn't happen. Okay, maybe God didn't want it to happen. No problem. We move on. <laughs> and you know what I'm talking about? And... Uh, we, we don't have this persistence, this earnestness. And so our receiving depends on our praying, on our persistence, on our earnestness. And uh, this is why we need to focus on this aspect. Uh, in the spiritual battle that we are engaged in, battling against the forces of darkness, spiritual wickedness in high places, these are the real enemies, uh, the role of prayer all too often is underestimated. I want to read to you a description that we have from the, in the book of Ephesians about how we are to be clothed with God's armor. Let's, let's look at it together. It's a familiar passage, but there's a key component here. Ephesians 6 from verse 10 is where we're going to start reading. Ephesians 6, 10. And, and the apostle here likens our spiritual uh, you know, journey to being a soldier who wears his battle gear. And there are different items and they have a different meaning. Here he says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, 
but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, because of all of that, here's what you need to do. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. You're familiar with this passage, right? And all these items, you can do a whole study, a whole sermon, all the different items and how they interrelate. But there's a very important component here. The next verse is usually left out of this armor. It says in verse 18, praying what? Always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Did you know this was part of the armor of being a faithful soldier? What is prayer in this, in this metaphor of being a soldier wearing this, this battle armor? Prayer is the communication channel between us and the commander. If you look at uh, battle strategies and different wars and battles that have happened, one of the key things to do to disable or cripple an army is to cut their lines of communication. You realize that? Because then they don't know what the other side is doing. What not. And one of the biggest problems that exists is maintaining lines of communication between the command center and the army that is deployed in different parts and areas of the field. And to know what's going on. That would indicate successful strategy and planning. And the enemy's purpose to, to thwart all that is to cut the lines of communication through whatever means. You know, if it's radio or wires or somehow to disrupt communication, it throws the army into disarray. Our lines of communication with the command center is prayer. And it's Satan's studied purpose to have us be clothed in all this armor and everything's great, but to cut our communication. So we have these uh, soldiers that are not breathing, not communicating on the spiritual level. And this results in a spiritual disaster. You lose the battle that way. That's the glue. The prayer is the glue that, that keeps all that together and connects us with the head. You see that? And so the importance of it cannot be, you know, uh, expressed enough. How is your soul breathing? How is your battle array how is your prayer life it's a weapon prayer is not just where we communicate with god where we ask for the things that we need and 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 thank him for what we have and perhaps remind him of those poor people or those who don't have food and so on sometimes you know our prayers take on a, a ritualistic form we have standard prayers i'm going to come to that as well how is it truly with you and with me let's look at luke 22 one other component and aspect of prayer. Because Satan, to a large degree, has been successful, brothers and sisters, in cutting our lines of communication, if we were honest. Luke 22, verse 40, Jesus says, And when he was at that place, he said unto them, Pray that ye enter not into temptation. Speaking to his disciples. What does it mean here when he says, Pray that ye enter not into temptation? It's not just simply asking, like in the Lord's Prayer, Lord, lead us not into temptation. But through prayer, praying can cause you to avoid certain temptations. You realize that? 
because the lines of communion are open, God can lead you and guide you more accurately. And in so doing, you can avoid many temptations that if you're not praying, you would stumble into. So many times we bring upon us through our you know, foolish choices, we bring upon us needless temptations. We bring upon us needless trouble and trial. You know, we pray, lead us down into temptation. And we get up and we walk straight into one. And it's not that God is leading us to temptation, but because we pray and, okay, well, I'm done with that part. I'm done praying. Now I'm back to what I need to do. And, and we make our choices like they are independent of God. And Jesus is saying, listen, you need to pray. Because in praying, it can preserve you from being led into temptation needlessly. How many times have you, through your own foolish choices, maybe you don't want to admit that it was a foolish choice, maybe it wasn't the best one at the time, however you want to express it, you brought needless trouble upon yourself, spiritually, that you really didn't need, and you could have easily avoided. But because maybe you rushed into something, or you just didn't take time to think it through, or you thought it was the best at the time, and for whatever reason. Jesus says here, pray that you enter not into temptation. A good example of that happened there in that story is Peter, who not long after that ended up denying Christ. You know, Peter would not have had to go through that experience if he had been praying with Christ. So pray that you enter not into temptation. God can communicate with us and guide our feet away. And this is what praying ceaselessly or praying always is all about, is to keep that, those lines of communication open. See, when we talk about prayer, we're not just talking about when you go and kneel somewhere and you, you take time to pray and that's it. Now you're done. Praying always is to remain in an attitude and a mindset of communion with God, even as you're walking. As, as you know, you're engaged in different things. Prayer is not just something you do before food and before bed. Or maybe when you come to church, you pray a few more times. Too often, this is how we treat prayer. Isn't that right? But communion with God, he can communicate, therefore, with us and guide us and navigate our feet to avoid temptation and obstacles that come in our way. Notice something. In your experience, you will find this observation. The times that you have backslid or felt that you are away from God correlate directly to your prayer life. Direct, there's a direct relationship. If you neglect prayer or if prayer is not as vital or important, doesn't happen as often, you will find that that's directly related to those times in your experience when you're having a difficulty, a trial, you know, uh, backsliding or turning away from the Lord. And this is why it's a Satan's studied purpose to obstruct this weapon from being used as it should. <clears throat> Psalm 55 verse 17. Psalm 55 and verse 17. Here's another aspect of prayer that I want to also share with you. He says here, Evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. The psalmist here had set prayer times, right? Now that's a good thing to do, but the one aspect that I want to focus on, and we'll come back to the set prayer times as well, is uh, crying aloud. What am I talking about? It's actually very important to be able 
when praying to pray out loud. You realize that? Even on your own. Too often our private personal prayers are silent prayers. We, we kind of mumble. Sometimes we might not even mumble. We're just praying in our mind, right? And uh, I know I realize that, you know, not always it might be convenient, but it's important when praying, especially privately, to be able to be in a place where you can pray out loud. Why is that? Because praying out loud is how we are, or communicating out loud. When we talk to each other, this is how we do it. We're communicating with God in the same way. Praying out loud is actually an encouragement for your faith. It's important for Satan to hear you pray because the enemy cannot bear to hear you praying. Not only that, but it also keeps your mind focused. How many times were you praying silently in your mind and then there's all kinds of other thoughts coming and, and your prayer is kind of going all over the place, right? You know what I'm talking about? And oh, what do I have to do tomorrow? Oh, what time is that appointment? Oh, sorry, Lord. Yeah, I'm praying and and. Pray out loud. You will find that it has a very big difference. If you have not tried that, I encourage you to do that, to, to cry out loud. You're not too loud. You don't need to yell. But, but to hear yourself speaking, your prayer of faith has an impact on you as you hear yourself praying. You realize that? And uh, I was saying about Satan. You know, some people don't like to pray out loud because they say, well, I don't want Satan to hear what I'm saying to God. You know? Have you ever thought that way? Yes. I want to have a, a private uh, private audience. And so I'll just pray in my mind. He can't read my mind. I won't even move my lips. He might be a good lip reader. So we just pray silently, very quietly. But in the process, the quality ends up being, like I said, you know, it's kind of uh, all over the place. Look, it's, it's pray out loud. But what are you afraid of with the devil hearing your prayer? Huh? What, what's he going to do? You know, Jesus, that's exactly right. He will not prevail. And if you really want to, to have a private audience, you can ask the Lord. And you can still have an opportunity to pray. I'm not saying pray every time out loud. I'm just saying this is an aspect of prayer that is not utilized as it should. It is actually very, very powerful. So I encourage you to really take that on board and to do so if you haven't. Now, praying uh, evening, morning, and at noon, having set prayer times. You know, one a very popular example that we can all straight away think of is Daniel. You remember Daniel? And he had a specific prayer times. And uh, Daniel would have probably uh, read this psalm. This is probably where he would have, uh, you know, uh, started this, this practice. But I have a friend who has uh, on his phone a Daniel alarm. And a Daniel alarm uh, is, uh, goes off three times a day. And that's the, when the alarm goes off, you know what he does? He stops and he prays. And uh, it doesn't matter. And he was telling me the story. I, I, was, I was with him and, and it happened one time. He's like, oh, here's my Daniel alarm. Let's pray. And we were just in the middle of a conversation. So we stopped and, and we had a little prayer. Well, one time he was actually at the bank uh, with, with, his, with his banker in the office and, and the alarm goes off. And then he says, oh, look at that. That's, uh, that's my Daniel alarm. Uh, and, and he explained to the banker, says, are you a Christian? And I pray. And, and the banker was a Christian. And, and he prayed with the banker. What, a, what an awesome opportunity to, to witness. And so uh, that's, that's just an interesting story. I, thought, I never really, ever thought of that, you know. Uh, just some of the things that uh, on a practical level, they might seem simple. They might even seem a little humorous. But you know what, brothers and sisters? They teach us habits. And they make a very big difference, actually. An extremely big difference. So praying out loud 
and make it a studied purpose to pray at seasons. Luke 18 and verse 1 is where Jesus uh, gave this parable about always praying and persisting. Luke 18, 1, and he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. You ever fainted when you were praying? Fainting here doesn't mean like you pass out and lose consciousness. But uh, perhaps, uh, have you ever fallen asleep while you're praying? You're not the only one, okay? <laughs> Long day, you're tired and, oh yeah, prayer. And, and you maybe just bow your head and, and you start your silent prayer right up here. And before you know it, you're gone. You're fast as maybe you wake up on your knees, a little bit sore. It happens, okay? It sounds funny, but it happens. Jesus says men ought to always pray. Look, it's part of life. I'm not criticizing that. But sometimes it's like we leave our prayer to the final, you know, few breaths we have of the day. Our final last energy portion for the day and our calculation is not quite accurate. And we kind of time out before the prayer is even finished. Prayer is something, brothers and sisters, that is vital for our spiritual well-being. Jesus gave this parable about the woman who persisted when she was uh, having this uh, situation with the unjust judge who would not judge for her or on her behalf, she kept going and kept going and kept persisting until at last he gave her what she wanted. And Jesus used this story to illustrate the need for not just asking once and just walking off, saying, well, I asked the Lord, I left it in his hand, that's it. But to pray and to not faint, to persist always, not to give up. And... Uh, not to faint and fall asleep either. How, how would you feel if your good friend brings you up to chat and midway through the conversation, your silence or maybe zzz and it's, it's not, it's, it's humorous and it's not a nice thing. If someone was someone talking to you and, and, and you're, you're talking to them and you have something important to say and they fall asleep on you. So you remember how eager God expressed his desires as my eyes will be open. My ears will be attentive to the prayers that are coming my way. And uh, he deserves something better, right? We don't do that to our friends. This is our God. This is our Father. This is our Savior. Now, I'm not saying this to make you feel bad. Don't get me wrong. It's happened to me too, uh, I'll admit. But uh, it just made me think, you know, I need to uh, give God the best. Not, not leave him till till the last. That's, that's really the point here. Uh, persistence in prayer. Remember the story of Elijah when he was praying for rain uh, over there in, you know, in the book of Kings. And uh, he prayed and he asked his servant to go and look out over the sea. Remember that? And there was nothing. And what did Elijah say? Well, God didn't want to. The answer is no. Let's keep going. No, he prayed how many times? Seven times. Again and again and again. He was certain and earnest. In what he wanted. He did not give up. Why is that story recorded for us? To teach us persistence in prayer. Now remember, Elijah was not just some you know, uh, person. He was a prophet of God. He was a prophet of the Lord. Persistence and earnestness in prayer. How is your prayer life? You want revival? You need to look at your prayer life. There is absolutely no question about that. There is no getting around that. Uh, in looking at the science uh, of prayer. You know, we, we 
Well, let's let's read the verse before before I go in, in, into too much detail. Let's look at the prayer of Jesus first of all, Luke chapter three and verse twenty-one. I'm getting ahead of myself here. Luke chapter three and verse twenty-one. This is one prayer that I personally really wish it was recorded for us. Now when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also being baptized and praying, the heaven was opened. And then it goes on to say that the Spirit came down upon him in the form of a dove. Did you know that Jesus prayed after his baptism? And that prayer, it says here, it opened heaven, right? We don't know what he said in that prayer. Would you have liked to know, have a record of Jesus prayed saying, and we have a record of the prayer, that opened heaven and the Spirit came and descended upon him. We don't have that prayer. We're actually told in the book of the Arab Ages that the angels had never heard a prayer like that before. Remember, has anyone of you read that book, the Arab Ages? I think most people here might be familiar or read that book. In that chapter dealing with the baptism of Christ, go, go home and read it. It actually says the angels had never before heard a prayer like that. And think about that. Here is 4,000 years of Earth's history. 4,000 years of faithful people of God from Adam, you know, going through all the different names. We have a good collection of them in Hebrews 11. All the way to Christ. People praying, people walking with God, God having friends, people after his own heart, uh, people who are beloved, and all these great characters who had these incredible relationships with God, who, of course, would have had a good, vibrant prayer life. And yet here we have the Son of God comes, and he prays at his baptism, and he offers up a prayer that we're told the angels never even hear something like this. Like, wow, this is, this is on another level, right? The relationship of Christ with his Father and his prayer life in particular is something that is truly inspiring and challenging for us. Jesus' prayer life was such that it really makes you think, wow. As a matter of fact, when the disciples heard Jesus pray and they came and asked him, Lord, teach us to pray. You know what they were saying? When, Jesus, when they heard Jesus pray, they felt like they didn't know how to pray. The prayers that they had learned in the synagogue how to pray or growing up, compared to what, what Christ was doing, it felt like we, we don't know how to pray. Teach us how to pray like that, because what we're doing is not that. That's what they're saying. And what we're doing, compared to what we're hearing here, doesn't seem like prayer at all. It's like we don't know how to pray. Do you feel like that sometimes? I think this is one of our big problems, to be honest. Have you ever been, as a Christian, taught how to pray? We don't really talk about it that much. It's kind of assumed. Everybody knows how to pray. Just pray. You know, go home and do it. Uh, there is a science to it. And understanding that it is an intimate opening of the heart to God as to a friend is an important component of that. There is a personal aspect there. So when we say teaching prayer, it's not like you're going to have a formula. This is what, we make, what you make sure you say and do. And, and this is how you pray. It's when they saw the communion of Christ with his father. It was actually devoid of ritual and lines and ceremony. It was an actual open communion on a personal level with God. They were like, wow, this is how we want to pray. This is what we want to learn what to do. And uh, Christ's prayers many times would, uh, would go for a long time. Let's look at Luke 6 and verse 12. Luke chapter 6 and verse 12. 
And it came to pass in those days that he went out into a mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. We have uh, this description in a number of places, a number of times. When was the last time you prayed all night to God? Can you remember? Has it even ha ever happened to you? Jesus prayed all night. And, and the thing is, I don't, I'm not asking these questions to make you feel bad. But this is what comes into my mind and to many people's mind. What would he say all night? Right? When was the last time you prayed for one hour? Two hours? Do you find sometimes when you're praying, you kind of run out of things to say? Maybe it's a bit too confrontational to ask people that and expect an answer. So don't answer. But we, we, have, we, have, we have really perfected the art of prayer. We've got this thing down packed that we can fit all our requests or our thanksgiving in under five minutes. And hop in bed or get into the day or the next thing after. You know what I'm talking about? We, we pray sometimes in ways that we, we can fit everything, you know, right quick and, and bang, that, done. Ten minutes. And if it goes any further than 10 minutes, like, mm, what, what else do I have to say? I, I can't think of anything to say. Come on, have you ever felt when you're praying that you've run out of things to say? I have, I'll be honest. I'm just, you know, we're not going to pretend here like we're better Christians than we are. But let's be honest. We run out of things to say and, and you look at the time like, wow, I was even two minutes. Maybe five minutes. Jesus prayed all night. All night. What did he say to his father? How was this communication? It really inspires us, right? Now, if, if you don't know what to say, no problem. Pray about it. Ask the Lord to show you. Lord, how, how, how can I pray in, in this way? That's what the disciples came and asked Jesus. That's what inspired them. Like they, they'd watch him go to pray at night and they'd fall asleep. We know the story in the garden. And, and he, they wake up and he's still praying. That's quite something. And if the Son of God himself needed to pray that way, and that much, how much more is it for us? So that's why I'm asking the question, and I know these are some challenging questions. How is your prayer life? How is your soul breathing? Or is it suffocating? We need to check on that. We need to make sure that we are indeed praying as we should. We have a record of a longer prayer that Jesus prayed. Uh, the longest one that we, that we have on record is John chapter 17. John 17 is a prayer of Christ. From the beginning to the end of the chapter, he's praying. And we have a beautiful prayer. We have this insight as to uh, some of the things that he would have said, that he would have communicated uh, about with his father. Uh, but even that prayer might take you three minutes to read through that prayer. If you're a slow reader, Five minutes. He prayed all night. Now remember, it's not the quantity of prayer as such that is the focus. It's the quality. Because I want to share with you another verse here. Before Jesus answered their question about prayer, in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 7. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 7. Jesus here, before he taught his disciples to pray, he says, But when he prayed, Use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. None of us do that, right? I want you to think about that carefully. Jesus here says, you know, don't, don't use vain repetitions. 
standard lines or, or memorized prayers. We can have a very long memorized prayer and launch into your ritual and spend maybe a, an hour or an impressive two. You know, some people even have prayer books that have a pre-written prayer that you go through. Fancy that when you next time you talk to a friend, right? You pull out your conversation book, you turn to conversation 17, and you rattle off prayer books. Then the concept seems odd. Honestly, there's no such thing as prayer books in the Bible. But the thing about vain repetitions is this. When we talk about prayer, and this is closely associated because, you know, people go away from hearing this thing. Yeah, I need to pray more. I haven't prayed all night ever in my life or an hour. Well, I'll just think of all these other things. Like we try and come up with stuff to fill the prayer and make it, oh, I've prayed a long prayer now. That's good. It's not the quantity that's the focus as much as the quality. Both go hand in hand. It should be. So I don't want us to, you know, uh, unbalance this thing and think and go tonight and everybody try and stay up all night because they heard a sermon about praying all night. It's the quality. And the quality comes as a result. It's a natural thing. It's not something you try and work. It's not like you set a timer and try and, you know, beat your record. That's not the idea at all. It's as your relationship with God is growing, it's personal and it's real, it will naturally result in a deeper communion with Him. That's the point. This is where the focus should be. So don't put your focus on the length of the prayer, it's on the quality of the communication. But this vain repetitions is something that we also do from time to time. You know, we're talking about how long we pray, but uh, we have a collection in our minds, all of us, of our standard prayers. We have the blessing on the food prayer, and we have them all memorized, right? We have them down packed, the before night, before sleep prayer, when I'm going to bed. You know what I'm talking about? And sometimes we're really good at them. We can rattle them off without really thinking about the words anymore. And we could be maybe thinking, and please bless this food, whatever memorized one you have. Amen. And you've blessed the food. And uh, you know what I'm talking about, first of all? You do? Okay. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm not off on, on all on my, on my own here. And it really it makes me think sometimes, how would God feel when we hit the play button on all the pre-recorded prayers? You know, to pray, food prayer. You know what I'm talking about? And uh, this is what Jesus here is referring to as well. Sometimes our prayer is like a vain repetition. Maybe we're not doing it like the heathen did it, but we have a way of doing it. And, and the quality of that prayer is really just sound coming out of our... Sometimes we pray because we know it's the right thing to do. Or the expected thing to do. We many times turn prayer into a form or a ritual that we know is important, we should do, we should pray before we eat. Okay, well, let's quickly pray. I'm not saying go and pray long winded prayers before food. That's not my point. My point is the quality. So don't misunderstand me, okay? And before food, and I understand sometimes, especially in big gatherings, you wanna pray a prayer that is to the point. That's not the time to go and pray for sister such and such and brother such and such and such and all the sick and suffering. That's not the time. So it's good to pray uh, with a focused intent and to the point. But it's important to be engaged with our mind, with our intellect, with our faith, with our feelings in that prayer that we offer. So that's why the scripture says we are to pray not using vain repetitions. In Hebrews, well, we don't have to read this verse, but we're told, without faith, it's impossible to please God. He that comes to God 
must believe that he is and that he is rewarded of them diligently seeking. Here it links us, it links for us these two elements, prayer and faith. Isn't that right? Too many times we offer up faithless prayers. Nice sounding prayers, maybe flowery language, nice speech in our prayers, but faithless prayers. The, the two go hand in hand. A prayer that really engages you with God and gets God's attention is a prayer of faith. And a prayer of faith is not a pre-recorded, pre-memorized prayer. I can guarantee you that. That's why we're asking this question. How is your prayer life? How is your faith? There needs to be an earnestness, brothers and sisters. A persistence, an earnestness, a zeal in our prayer. And this is not something that we can go and try and work out. Please don't misunderstand me and go home and try and implement all these things as rules. I need to pray longer and I really need to put my heart into it. And This should be a natural outcome of the relationship you have with God. That is where you need to focus. And so when you take your, when you gauge your prayer life, when you take your, the pulse of how your prayer life is, it should give you an insight into this relationship. And this is where you need to work. This is what revival is based on. And we were talking earlier about uh, different, you know, revivals and different uh, aspects of revival. If you study the history, I don't have time. I could give you plenty of stories. I don't have time to do that here now. But if you study all the different revivals that happened down through history, Christian revivals that happened in different places and at different times, there are many of them. You will not find a single one that did not have prayer as a component of it. As a matter of fact, many of these revivals actually started when people really started to pray. Different to their regular prayer life that they thought they had a good prayer. It's like things are different. And praying in a way that brought a revival. This is what I want to challenge you with. Take a good look at your prayer life. Where is it at? Does it need some dusting off? And you know, getting to the meat of it. This is the key. And this is the challenge. I want to close with this, uh, with this verse. There's so much more that could be said about prayer. But I think you get the idea. And it's a vital component. Uh, Luke 22, verse 32. Another component another aspect of prayer. Luke 22 and verse 32. Jesus saying to Simon, But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. What's Jesus referring to here? To the very thing that would happen when Peter would deny him. Excuse me. See, Jesus knew what would happen. And he says to Peter, I've prayed for you so that your faith doesn't fail when, when that happens. Because it was a big disappointment for Peter. You know, he went out and he, the Bible says he, he cried, right? Bitterly. What's that? Bitterly. Bitterly, thank you. And, uh, and that's when he was actually converted. Jesus had, had anticipated that and he prayed for him. But I don't want us to miss this. I don't believe Jesus prayed only for Peter, you know that? You know, he prayed for all of us as well. When you're going through a difficult time, through a challenge, through a hardship, just remember that you can put your name here. Maybe, uh, could we go up one verse? Uh, just uh, from verse 31. Thank you. 
And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to, to have you that he may sift you as wheat, but I've prayed for you. You know what you can do? You can put your name there instead of Simon, Simon. Because Satan's desire is to have each and every one of us. Peter wasn't the only one that Satan wanted to have to sift as wheat to really destroy his faith. And Jesus says to him, I've prayed for you that your faith fail not. You realize Jesus prayed for us? Part of his work as our high priest, his intercession is on our behalf in, in harmony with what he said here to Peter. And this also gives us the insight that we have a burden and a duty to pray for each other. Too many times our brother and our sister who are being buffeted by Satan become the subject matter of our discussion, but rarely our prayer. Isn't that right? We need to pray for each other more than talk about each other. And what happened to this brother? What happened to this sister? And we want a revival. You know, these things become so habitual in churches. They cause havoc in churches. Havoc. Jesus and saw the problem and he said to Peter, listen, I, I've been praying about this, Peter. And, and what I'm saying might not make sense now, but you'll understand when it happens. And Peter sure understood when that happened. So praying, remember, Jesus prays for us. He would have prayed for you. And remember that we need to pray for our brethren. You know, it's good to have a good prayer life, but it's good to include our brethren in that. You know how, how revived a church would be if every person were praying like they should and praying for each other? We were talking uh, yesterday about the power. Where is the power? And, and we, we want to see evidences of that. Prayer is the key, brothers and sisters. So I want to challenge you and I want to appeal to you. Make a commitment today to have a revival in your prayer life. If, uh, if you're not sure exactly how that applies, because look, there is a, the reason why there is no formula for it, and even the Lord's Prayer, many times we treat it as a formula. Uh, the reason why there is no formula for it is because your prayer life will be according to your personal connection with God. It's very customized in that there isn't a standard. But what we see as standard in the scriptures is earnestness and genuineness and faith and a connecting with God that is actually uh, intelligent and involved. It's not just this, uh, you know, external, but it will be varied. It will be personalized based on your particular experience, your particular relationship with God. So your prayer life is not going to be identical to someone else's prayer life as far as, you know, the subject matter and all the, the connection with God. You with me? So I want to challenge you with that to make a commitment today to... Revive your prayer life. I'm not saying go and try and do it, but look at it and ask for God's help. Seek a transformation and a deeper experience in your prayer life. I guarantee you it will affect every other part of your life. Guaranteed. We don't do that often enough. We slip into our prayer habits too easily. So I just pray that you will take this challenge to heart, that you will make this commitment today. So that we can indeed look back on this, you know, weekend that we spend this time together, you know, seeking for a revival and seeking for God's blessing of revival so that we don't go back to how we were before. And OK, well, that was really nice weekend. Send me the, the, the meeting, uh, you know, times the next time it's happening. Thank you so much. We, we, we want to affect a change as a result of these things.
And if the change is not affected by us, you know, working up something, is seeking the Lord on a practical level in some of these areas. I want you to do that with prayer, your prayer. Is that okay? Is that fair enough? Okay. If you were blessed by this message, remember to subscribe and share it with others. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Your prayers and support are appreciated. May God richly bless you through His Son, Jesus.